Hello everyone, this is another Risky Business News sponsored interview. I'm Tom Uren and I have with me Martin Canard of Netrix. Netrix makes a privileged access management product. G'day Martin, how are you? Hi there, it's, uh, very well, thank you Tom. One of the things I thought I'd kick off with is in the news recently there's been an attack on Caesars Palace and I think MGM recently, so a couple of casinos. And the story appears to be that the group, which people think are a group of teenagers, and they're actually tremendously effective at getting onto businesses just by having credentials and socially engineering their way past MFA. And this appears to be related to a blog post Okta put out a few weeks ago where they talked about how a threat actor had been attacking some of their clients. They somehow got credentials. It's not exactly clear how, but they would engineer their way past the the second factor. And so they end up as a super admin. And what they were doing was adding a separate identity provider. And so I was thinking, if you lob up at an organization, you've got access to a highly privileged account and you've figured out the MFA, at one level, that's kind of game over, right? Yeah. But you were saying to me earlier that, no, there's actually things that you can do that would be maybe not totally mitigate it, but at least be very helpful. Yeah. I mean, it's all about really just mitigating the opportunity for any adversary to be able to move around an environment. You know, when we look at privilege, I mean, I, I look at it as a vehicle. It's something that allows, obviously, a legitimate user to be able to do their job and to be able to move from system to system. But it also, you know, allows an adversary to do exactly the same thing. So by using orchestration, it allows you to be able to really eliminate those uh, privileged accounts, the attack service, essentially, when it's not being used. So in this particular case with uh, MGM, Caesars, there's a thousand and one ways in which a network can be infiltrated and somebody can get in. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is you can then limit the ability for that particular threat actor to be able to uh, move around, you know, and move from system to system. I don't think there's any security system out there that can say, yep, you're going to be 100% covered. But it's about <laughs> walls walls of defense. I always say, like, you know, you build a wall and attackers build a yeah. ladder. You build a higher wall, they build, you know, they create a higher ladder. I mean, it's just you got to keep one step ahead and there's that due diligence of doing everything that you, you know, you possibly can. Yeah, well, I guess in a lot of these attacks, I guess the old way of thinking is that there were several walls before you got to very highly privileged accounts. And But with some of these advanced persistent teenagers, it seems like there's only just one small wall. <laughs> and then... I love that too. <laughs> so in this, I mean, it's not clear exactly how they got access, but in a sort of hypothetical example, you lob up in a network, you've got an account that theoretically has high privilege, and I suppose you would typically do whatever it is that attackers do to move around, set up persistence mechanisms, enable other accounts. And so how does privileged access management help in that situation? Yeah, so, I mean, really, one of the very key parts of it is um, identification, because so you need to be able to find out what's in your environment. I'll give you an example. I mean, we actually had a customer couple of years ago that did a scan 
they found a user that didn't even have admin rights to their local desktop had admin rights to a couple of critical database servers. What had happened is the help desk had inadvertently added the user to an access control group to give him access to an application, added them to the wrong one. The user got access to the application, but also got admin access to the boxes. Now that user didn't know, the help desk didn't know, nobody in the environment knew, but an attacker that came in, the copy of Bloodhound, they're going to enumerate these attack paths. So, you know, if we start looking at privilege and privilege sprawl, if you like, throughout the environment, it's almost like the silent assassin. I mean, you you just, you don't want your attackers to be able to find that stuff before you do, essentially. Yeah, so I guess what you're saying is that just by keeping on top of it, you limit the ability of someone unauthorized to actually do anything when they get there. But how does that work when they're trying to do something that's actually a legitimate part of that account's job? You know, whatever it is, provision a new user. Yeah, if it, so if you think about privilege, you can remove it when it's not being used and then orchestrate it on demand. So on-demand privilege, you go to do something, it gives you not just necessarily full admin rights, maybe you need delegated admin rights. If typically somebody might have a Dash A account in an environment and it could have 20, 30 different admin rights to different domains, different systems. Well, if you are orchestrating something from scratch, you know, where you're saying, here's an account with no permissions, you give it just the amount of rights that it needs to do the task and then remove them straight afterwards. Or you could even remove the account. So that's that's a key part of it is dynamically creating what you need uh, when you need it. So how does that work from an authorization point of view? So if you've got an account that should be able to do all these different tasks because that's in the job role, what's to stop an unauthorized user just using the account as per usual and it gets provisioned and taken away, but they still are able to do the bad thing that they're trying to do? Well, that's about um, really monitoring what the user's doing with that privilege. So a typical thing that somebody with privileged access will do is they'll create more privileged access. You know, you'll create a backdoor account, you'll add Mm -hmm. more accounts or add more things with privilege. So that's about the ability to be able to layer on continuous discovery, especially when it you know, it's, it's to do with privilege because what you want to do is, is really collapse that window of time between when that account is created or you know, the privilege added to the account to when uh, an attacker could potentially use it. So it's all about really making sure that you're able to remove it and also more importantly to alert on the fact that you have you know mitigated that threat. And so what's the difference between just logging what admins do versus is there any advantage yeah. to logging in a PAM solution or, or is it just the management of privilege beforehand that's the advantage? So so logging um, outside of the PAM solution will audit, um, you know, here's Bob, here's, you know, he's used his Dash A account and he's logged on to the system. Now, what a PAM solution will do is um, it it has the capability of sitting between the user and the endpoint they're trying to connect to. So essentially, what you're doing is you are starting a privileged session. Within that session, you can then start um, you know, auditing commands that have been executed on the endpoint, keystrokes. So let's say, for example, um, 
you know, you get an alert in your SOC, you know, you find some malware and it's propagated from a particular application. You could search all your live sessions for the specific session where somebody invoked that particular application, assuming that, you know, it came through the tool. And to be able to provide some mitigation to it, you could terminate the session, you could lock the session, you could interact with the user and tell them that whatever they've done is maybe inadvertently incorrect. But that's, that's a key thing. The PAM solution is around control of the session in real time and historical for forensic purposes, whereas basic login is really just more of a, of a due diligence, what an auditor wants to see you know, right, at the end right. of the day. Right, right. So you could have, uh, I guess, a policy that stops them from doing something that you know is very likely bad, whereas kind of just logging it will let you know that something bad has happened. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah, and and, well, and that's that's the key thing. I mean, when you think about you know, for years, you know, we, we've had these always on admin permissions. With modern PAM that can do uh, essentially what Gartner calls zero standing privilege, it really does allow you to be able to give just the right amount of privilege at the right time. So it it limits what the user can do, as well as also being able to limit what an attacker could do if they compromise that account. So it, it kind of works in both ways. And there's no management overhead either. Right. So would you have things like policies that would, uh, by default, not allow people to add another identity provider? That seems to be something that would happen occasionally. Um, and so perhaps the default is to just say no. Well, that's that's the nice thing about uh, doing privileges and just enough privileges on demand. Any sort of system really is role-based. And rather than giving something the highest level of role, um, it means that you're able to orchestrate that right amount of role, if you like, for what users need to do on a day-to-day basis. And then anything that's over and above that level of privilege, you can add additional controls, for example, um, approval requests, that type of thing, or even alerting, you know, to be able to say, yep, Bob's got access to the, the super admin privilege for this particular account. Uh, I used to work in a high security environment and they really spent a lot of time managing accounts. Uh, it was really a lot of work. And so I can totally understand how a typical corporation, you, you would get privilege sprawl. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people, a lot of organizations just really aren't aware of what that privilege sprawl looks like. I know that we've done so many of these types of operations where we've gone in, done a privilege health check, and, uh, you know, the people there are amazed. You know, they say, look, we, we cleaned this up like three months ago. We went in, we reviewed all the roles, we removed all the rights, which were excess. Um, you know, we took away a lot of the users that were in local admin groups and domain admin groups, and we just replaced them with groups. But the problem is, is it's a never-ending process. So it's not like something you can go in, you can you know, clean things up and then say, yep, pat on the back, everything's great, because you, you just, you have to keep on going because it only takes that, that one that one weakest link, if you like, that's in there, that that's something that an adversary could find and could exploit, you know? And so it, it's all about really making sure that it keeps down. Like I say, biggest thing, you know, is that, that user that had admin rights to, uh, to database servers. The company didn't know, the user didn't know, 
but an attacker will <laughs> you know potentially find that so that's that's a scary thing so what does a privilege health check look like yeah so what we typically do is we'll put uh, a virtual appliance in we'll hook it up to the domain it will enumerate really all of the domain objects and it will scan all of those domain objects extremely fast now there's obviously certain things that a lot of scanners do in terms of network-based discovery and you know other platforms but when we look at active directory especially given how prevalent that is in terms of ad integration you know everything from ad bridges for linux or you know applications you know that are using um, ad accounts if you exploit rights, domain admin rights, especially in Active Directory, then uh, it, it can lead to a, obviously a very bad day, an extremely bad day, you know, if you happen to compromise it on a domain controller. So what it does is it goes in, it scans everything. It does really fast. It uses um, WinRPC, so no special ports. It just uses 445, which is the SMB port. It can do 20,000 hosts an hour, but it does one thing. It just looks for privilege. It doesn't look for other accounts, or services, or any other things. It's just very, very fast. And then what it does is it actually analyzes the group membership because oftentimes where people get overprivileged is through nested group membership. And, uh, you know, we've seen some crazy different uh, nestings out there because very often it's difficult to keep track you know you add someone to a group and then who knows what's downstream of that or upstream or what ripple effects you can cause so that's typically where we see the biggest problems and so what we do is we do what's called flattening the, that that privilege so you know we extract everything from all of that nested group membership and then we look at a resultant set of Here's a group of users. Here are all the systems they have access to. And then we pivot that around. Here are the systems. Here are all the users they have access. So it allows people to be able to really properly understand, is that particular privilege service you know, legitimate right now? And what's the reaction of companies when you do that? Is it invariably horror and shock? Or are there some, some companies that are doing it well and go, oh, we're, we're great? I, I would say typically horror, but there's also <laughs> other people that really don't want to know because they say, if you tell, you know, I mean, no, I actually had people say, you've officially not told me anything. And but I want to forget about this whole thing because <laughs> if they know about it, they have to fix it. You know, it's like the ostrich, you know, I can stick my head in the sand. It's like, if I don't know it, you know, la la la, can't hear you, then... I can deal with my other issues. I think that's a scary thing because as soon as you bring things to people's attention, which is why simply some people are very reticent to having this sort of scan done because perhaps they, they, they don't want to delve too deep. It's, yeah, it's interesting some of the responses we've had. Martin Kennard, VP of Product Strategy at Netrix. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Great to talk, Tom. <laughs>